Welcome to CIO Leadership Live Canada. I'm Lee Rennick, Executive Director of CIO Communities for CIO.com. And I'm very excited to welcome Adam and Emily, Chief Risk Officer, General Bank of Canada. Adam, please introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your current role. Thank you, Lee, for having me today. Um, so yeah, uh, basically I am uh, the Chief Risk Officer of General Bank of Canada. It's one of the youngest Schedule 1 banks uh, in Canada with lots of ambition and opportunities to, to grow further. I'm based out of Edmonton where I just moved. Uh, before that, I was a Global VP at Thompson Directors uh, within the Ops and Tech division where I built and scaled the first enterprise risk function. Uh, my career has always been a technology-centric uh, with roles within IT or roles within the business with a strong tech and security flavor, if you will. Uh, it's refreshing to try something new. I'm now in a scale-up financial institution, very familiar and very different at the same time. A lot of more the just-do-it culture, which is uh, very uh, helpful for a, a thinker and a doer like I am, and uh, basically engage in a very exciting chapter of, of the growth. Um, so uh, if you will, I can basically also uh, describe more in detail uh, how my career happened. Um, I uh, started with uh, engineering studies in uh, environmental science, and it was followed by a business technology degree and an MBA. And I always like to say that I am a business person who grew up within technology. Uh, my first project out of uh, university was uh, the implementation of SAP uh, within a government agency in Montreal. And uh, I was the BI and Ops uh, BA lead there. And I, I learned so much about execution, project management, and complex migrations, which never go as, as you see. Uh, as you expected, basically, or planned for. Uh, speaking both languages, the language of business, of numbers, and the language of technology was very helpful because it helped me build trust, build bridges, and allowed me to navigate complex environments. Uh, and that helped me really uh, move up, uh, move laterally, uh, depending on my interests and uh, the topic of the day. If you will, like, I have three lessons I can share uh, based on, on my, uh, my career. The first one, is always to keep doors open as long as possible. You never know uh, when a new opportunity or a new domain will emerge. So versatility is key. Uh, without going to the other extreme, right, where you dilute basically uh, everything. And as they say, if you try to be everything to everyone, you end up being nothing to no one, right? So that's that's a pitfall to, to avoid with this first lesson. The second one is to stay humble at all times. Of course, you have to preserve respect, uh, learn the values that will guide your leadership, but remember that every person is special. So if you are entrusted with leading people, given that honor, uh, take it seriously and never forget where you came from, right? And the third lesson was to be a never learner, lifelong learner. Right. Um, I went from engineering to software development to strategy to risk management. I didn't do a PhD for each of these subjects. I just learned uh, how to learn and build skills. And you learn at some point to get the 20% knowledge that will help you drive 80% of the conversations. And that's a rule of thumb that I keep close to my heart as I learn more. Um, and finally, right, the, the mentorship. Uh, mentorship accelerated my growth. I met some uh, very interesting people and I kept them close. Uh, you can call them a personal board of directors. You can call them anything you want, but these are the people that you can just pick up the phone and call and ask questions beyond the surface. Like this happened at work. Uh, what do you think, right? And share your feelings, be vulnerable, because that's how you build your intuition. And your intuition is uh, 
more important, I would say, than, than a lot of things, especially as you move up the ladder. Well, I thank you for sharing that. Yeah, we usually kick off that first question asking about your, you know, your own journey. And so it's really interesting to hear that. And you can see that that, that aspect of continuous learning is in there. And you've had the opportunity to really work across so many organizations and build your career. Uh, it's very inspiring to see that. See that. So I, I really thank you very much for sharing that. Um, and I wanted to talk a little bit about your your background. As mentioned, you have an extensive technology background. Um, and when we had our call last week, I said, "So you're the chief risk officer at General Bank. Like, tell me about that. What is that?" And, and you know, we chatted about that, and I sort of said, "Is it like a combined CIO CISO role?" And you said, "Yeah, you know, it really is, but it really encompasses technology and business." So. I'd love to learn more about that, you know, what your role encompasses uh, around tech, tech and business and some learnings on maybe risk management that maybe, you know, you can share here for other CIOs listening in. Uh, absolutely. So uh, I like to say that chief risk officer can be the best C-level job or the worst. The mm -hmm. good news is that it's up to you. So more importantly, like my mandate at the bank is to enable responsible growth. And there are two keywords here, responsible and growth. I'll start with responsible. It really means that I oversee financial and non-financial risks, which is to simplify the potential loss of value. And believe me, there are a lot of ways a company can lose value very fast. My portfolio includes compliance, privacy, security, uh, resilience, basically our enterprise trusts. And I work day to day with my C-level peers, uh, partners to build and keep the trust in our technology, in our people, the trust of our partners and the trust of the market in general, right? And growth, if you will, my role is basically to protect the ability to create value, not just the value itself. A lot of people protect what they see, but you need to protect the potential. And, and that, that's where the rubber hits the road. Um, in, in terms of being a chief risk officer is that your role is central to building the competitive advantage and protecting it as well. So where does my tech background come into play? It comes in my day to day. So I do partner a lot with uh, our CTO, uh, who is my partner in crime, and we ensure that all our solutions, our processes uh, have basically a strong bridge between business and technology. Like during my past experiences, I saw that that was like a gap. You have a lot of really, really cool technology stacks, but how about the business, right? That so what is always forgotten. So I'm there to basically keep that bridge uh, strong and, and relevant and clear for everyone. And we balance innovation with appropriate risk taken, right? So we embed security and compliance as design imperatives. So instead of having these as afterthoughts, we always sit down together with our peers and talk about like, where is the security, where is the compliance? What amount of risk can we take? What are the risks that we cannot take, right? Things like privacy or data or things like that. So in, in our C-level team, we, we are engaged in a very exciting digital transformation uh, as co-sponsors. And we guide team to, to address um, the, the risk at each step, the risks that evolve, they're very fluid. We upskill people across functions, and we make sure that these risk principles are embedded in our strategy in a seamless manner. And seamless here is key. I've been in the software development life cycle, and I know how it is to have like one non-functional requirement hit us at the very last minute. Uh, and I build empathy for basically the technology teams that are at the heart of, of our engine, our growth engine, and, and make sure that what we're doing is is basically compatible as much as possible with, the, with their reality, if you will. 
Right. Yeah. I mean, it sounds really interesting. And I like the fact that you're saying you work as a team looking at the forward thinking, you know, looking like the what if the customer or the end user needed this and you're working back and you're including that security layer in there um, to ensure that as you're building and innovate, I guess that ties into innovation, which we didn't really talk about, but sounds like that's part of your innovation strategy is to have all this connected uh, very closely together. No, absolutely. And uh, being a CRO who understands technology and innovation is good. Being a CRO technologist is even better, right? Because you are able to picture those use cases. And thanks to the risk side of things, the strategy side of things, being able to translate that into business use cases very fast and, and demonstrate value. Like you said, you must have such a great working relationship with the CTO because you understand the technology aspect of it. And that's, like you said, it can be very rare at times. Well, I really appreciate you sharing that. That was very insightful. Um, so I wanted to talk about diversity and technology and diversity and leadership in general. Um, you know, we're seeing in the tech sector that, you know, we're not achieving certainly from a gender perspective. We're not seeing a lot of diversity there. Many CIOs I speak with talk about how they're really working to build diverse teams, but they often don't really succeed at it. So um, could you please talk about, you know, inclusive inclusivity in the sector and ways you're supporting it? No, absolutely. So uh, it's a topic close to my heart. And uh, I would start by saying that inequity is the root cause. And inequity has many faces, right? Uh, some of them are obvious, like gender inequity, like uh, BIPOC versus non-BIPOC. And then you have the more complex and invisible sides of inequity, right? Things that you don't think about when you see someone at the office, uh, what they have been going through, how they think, where they were uh, brought up, right? And I think overall, we're not doing as leaders enough to go beyond our comfort zones and build empathy and question our beliefs. Some of our beliefs are just so ingrained that it's very difficult to question them or picture ourselves questioning them. What I would share basically is a three-step strategy that I aim towards in order to build inclusivity in, in, in my team and in the tech sector in general. The first one is what everybody knows already, which is to build inclusivity by design in your teams. You build your teams by design, by making sure that you have diversity of thoughts, diversity of background, diversity of, of a lot of things, right? But a lot of leaders stop there. And that's the mistake that we make. You think that by hiring, you know, your quota of, of, of diverse hires, uh, you've done your job, but no, it's just the beginning. It's a precondition, actually. The two other steps are concurrent. As a leader, you do have formal power, not influence necessarily, but power. And the key there is really to share it genuinely with, with your team, especially with the people who are not used to having power. And that's how you build their confidence and the trust and the psychological safety for them to make decisions and make real decisions. Again, I see a lot of uh, fake delegation of power where you provide them with decision-making power that are not on the critical path of a delivery. You got to do it. You basically have to go beyond that and lose control with trust. The third step, which is concurrent, is to create space for these people who are different than you, right, as a leader, to build their influence, to build uh, the, their strength, uh, to make mistakes and to learn from them, right? And I don't see that a lot in the industry. Uh, I always see that for safe projects, we'll go with what we know, what we understand. And that's, again, a, a key mistake. And that's what makes the system uh, built for surface level diversity and inclusion and not for like deep, sustained 
and seamless diversity. And you know, my aim at the end of the day is to, to reach the balance of influence. Uh, I call it like that because it's basically a state where anyone can feel empowered to influence a decision based on their will and their skill only not on who they are or where they came from mm. or who is waiting for them at home. It's really about will and skill. And that's really the the, the target state, the perfect state I acknowledge that uh, I'm aiming for as a leader in the tech sector. Wow, that's all very inspiring. So I wanted to move to our final last question, which is the hottest topic of this year, one of the hottest topics of this year, and that's Gen AI and how it's transform transforming or isn't hasn't been yet transforming business. And so I really wanted to talk about that. Just any ideas from you around the key benefits and challenges for the technologies, you know, um, and and what are you hearing around you in market? Any tips on how organizations should build uh, an adoption plan for Gen AI? No, absolutely, great question. And uh, I would say that yes, uh, I agree. There's a lot of hype around the the, the technology, uh, a, a lot of information overflow, if you will. And uh, what I do as a leader is I try to structure basically uh, what I receive in terms of information into three major use cases. Right? Uh, how we create net new value with with the AI, how we unlock value with AI and how we protect value with AI, right? With Gen AI more specifically. And um, my response to all of this is, is that it's important to test, to embrace it rather than uh, delay it. Uh, start small. Um, you know, it's uh, easier than ever now to build a chatbot uh, or to uh, enable automation to deliver quick wins. And when you show that value and how fast it can be, I, I do that in my team now. I, I I work with my peers as well to implement like some micro use cases, if you will, uh, of, of value that can basically be uh, very powerful. And now with accessibility, there is just no excuse, right? When we talked about internet, it was quite difficult to get a first connection. Uh, after that cloud, like you had to have some financial means to buy a subscription. Now with accessibility of chat GPT, of, uh, of cloud, you can just buy or actually try it for free. And there is no excuse to just get on with it and, and try build the right conditions to experiment and then scale when you can. It's true that with AI, the exceptional velocity of adoption brings governance and ethical risks, but they have always been there with every technology. All we need now is to adapt and step up our current controls and, and proceed. But I wouldn't wait to have like an AI governance policy to start. We already have a technology governance policy and that's the most important thing. And I would say, if you will, there is always like this iterative uh, three-step model that I that, that I take. You prioritize your use cases, as mentioned before, net new value, unlock value, protect value. Uh, you prove the value, right? You need to have your proof of value in a very simple term. Um, in the last uh, CIO Live, we talked about the language of the corner office and its simplicity. The more simple you are, the more value you show, uh, the better it is. Mind your data quality because it's the start of everything. Uh, and make sure as well that it's about the business, not you, not the risks, not the technology. It's really about the business because most of us work for businesses. And if you upskill strategically as well, your teams, you can build like a really strong and powerful training strategy. Uh, you can have basically the foundations, like we all learned the internet at some point, and now it's just a given that you know how to use the internet. It's going to be the same with AI. But then you have domain-specific use cases that you train your people on, uh, like finance, AI for risk, AI for supply chain, 
And then finally, you have AI for the technology. You need to understand what's under the hood, right? You need to understand really neural networks, uh, linear regression models, things like that, and have people who can actually explain your models and explain those decisions to your clients. It's it's very important. And uh, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, it's a balancing act, right? Uh, you have the value creation on one side, what's good for the business. On the other side, you have basically your risks and how to use AI responsibly and for the greater good. And uh, at the end of the day, my, my role here is to embed that oversight in our systems by design and do it as seamlessly as possible. Well, thank you so much. That was very comprehensive and I think a great way to end this uh, interview. Thank you so much for joining us here today, Adam. Thank you, Lee, for having me. That was a great conversation. It was really great. And if you're interested in listening to this interview or others, please head on over to cio.com front slash CA and visit us there. Thanks again.